The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 68, where you're watching episode number 68 on YouTube. Today is Sunday, October 29th, Halloween weekend, so happy Halloween, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good time with the Halloween festivities this weekend. Uh, I'm coming to you from Arizona, so the other side of the country that I'm normally on, and I'm joined all the way from New Jersey by my co-host, Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how's the weather up there in New Jersey, my friend? Bill, it is raining. We got a we got a monsoon out here. Total opposite of your weather. So, Bill, why don't you tell the listeners where you're at and why you're having a hard time breathing over there? <laughs> I am a little short of breath. I'm at elevation right now in Flagstaff, Arizona. So, started the trip off in Phoenix. It was hot as fuck, like unbearably hot, and. This is supposed to be when it when it starts to cool off, and it, the temperature isn't wasn't insane. It was like ninety four, ninety five, but when you're in the sun, it's pretty unbearable, and it's so dry. So it's a very different heat than I'm used to in Tampa. But what's amazing to me is the difference in temperature in the sun versus in the shade. Like if you're walking down the street and there's buildings, and you go sun shade sun shade, it's like you're walking in and out of air conditioned rooms. There's probably like a 15 degree difference between the sunshine and the shade in Phoenix. It was pretty bizarre, but but pretty cool too. And then when you're out in the sun, like walking around, your pores kind of open up, but it's so dry you don't sweat. So you're just walking around with like your pores open and you're hot and your body any relief. It's a very strange sensation, Jeff, that I've been coping with. Uh, with lots of alcohol the same way I uh, cope with other things, which probably doesn't help with the dryness, but uh, it helps with, you know, me having booze while I'm on vacation. So <laughs> this will be a booze-heavy podcast, Jeff, because if you think I talk about alcohol a lot normally, uh, you know, now this is vacation, Bill, talking, uh, during which time, you know, I have to try all the local spirits and uh, I want to thank everybody who's reached out on Twitter and Instagram and elsewhere on social media, Facebook, and given me some awesome recommendations. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to try everything that was recommended to me, although I am to, I think, Lumberjack Brewery. There's some brewery here in Flagstaff someone recommended to me that I, I plan to make it to. So I started the week off, Jeff. I decided to save some money, pick up a bottle of bourbon, and you know, just to get me through the week. So I was looking for some Arizona whiskeys and I was asking around and people said Arizona is more known for craft beer, which fine by me, but I just wanted to have a bottle of whiskey to keep on hand. Uh, so I went with a high West, uh, bourbon, which comes from Utah. So I figured local enough to hold this up for the uh, people viewing on YouTube here. So high West, one of my favorite whiskeys, they make is the High West Campfire. I believe I've talked about it on the show before. Jeff, you and I might have had some High West Campfire before too, back when I was living in Jersey. So I decided to go with the bourbon because uh, I was just in the mood for bourbon, and I, I really love the Campfire whiskey, so I thought the bourbon would be great too. I'm not as big a fan of the American Prairie bourbon, Jeff. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's been doing the trick. Obviously, you could tell <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty – deep into this bottle right now it may not even last me the rest of the week but what i did is uh I, I picked up a little shooter of this sweet retreat vanilla liqueur i'll hold this up here uh it's a real mellow vanilla liqueur it's only uh 15 alcohol uh but it adds like just the perfect amount of sweetness to the bourbon so i would definitely recommend uh picking up one of these 
and adding it to your bourbon. If you have a bourbon that has a little bit too much bite for you, uh, uh, this is actually perfect to kind of mellow it out and, and take some of that bite off. And uh, it makes it super smooth and really tasty. They also make a root beer one. So I tried the root beer and the bourbon as well, and that was really good. Gave me the idea to uh, maybe come up with a recipe for a root beer old-fashioned. So that's something I'm going to be working on. Uh, I have some other boozy things to talk about, but this is an MMA podcast after all, Jeff. And I know you're itching to uh, talk about the upcoming pay-per-view that you'll be attending next week at Madison Square Garden. So before we get to that even, let's talk about UFC Fight Night 119 from Sao Paulo, Brazil, which took place yesterday. It was kind of nice for me to watch this a little earlier, being on the West Coast. I didn't have to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30, 2 o'clock after all the post-fight and everything is over. Uh, I know you had a hard time getting through this card, Jeff. So um, not th this card took place in Brazil, but not a good night for uh, the Brazilians in the main and co-main events. Leona Machida and Damian Maia both uh, coming away with losses and both looking uh, – Last night. So, what were your thoughts on this card overall, Jeff? And then uh, let's start at the top with the main event and work our way down. Yeah, Bill, this card, top to bottom, was pretty awesome. I started watching the main event of the prelims, and even that was super awesome. Uh, so, top to bottom, overall, I think it was a really good night. I feel like for some reason the the fight nights they've been good lately, but I feel like the ones in Brazil always deliver. Um, no disappointments there. So, Bill, why don't you get us started here? Because, unfortunately, like you said, over on the East Coast, it was a little hard to stay awake. Um, you know, the it was around like 1.30 when I went to sleep. No, 12.30. So I was in the middle mm -hmm. of the co-main event, but I caught the main event this morning. So, Bill, why don't you fill us in over here and why they're calling Derek Brunson the Dragon Slayer today. <laughs> Man, I was saying it last week when, when we were talking about breaking this card down, and I was getting more and more excited for it as we were talking through it. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect from Lyoto Machida. Uh, he, he had a two-year layoff, uh, which was a bullshit suspension that he had in the first place because he was taking some kind of banned supplement or something, and he realized it was on the banned list, and he came out and said, like, hey, everybody, I'm sorry, I was taking this. Uh, I didn't realize it was on the banned list. They took that as a confession and suspended him for two years, uh, which is fucking awful because he could have just kept his mouth shut. He wasn't testing positive or anything. He just came out and said, like, hey, I realize I'm taking this and it's banned. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, oh, no problem. Take this two-year suspension. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got other guys that uh, you know, probably should have had longer suspensions and they're not getting them. So uh, there, there's some unfortunate politics with these suspensions and things like that so hopefully they get a little bit more uniform as time goes on here and uh, but regardless you know you, you have to expect that Leona Machida is going to be disciplined in his training and come in prepared to fight uh, top level competition no matter how much time he's had off and he did look a little bit flat maybe you know a little bit of ring rust which maybe you can uh, enlighten us on Jeff, because I know you have some theories about ring rust, but um, I think the result of this fight, which was a knockout uh, for Derek Brunson, was a result of Derek Brunson being patient, but not overly patient like he was in the Anderson Silva fight. It was a patient Derek Brunson who was able to pull the trigger, and a patient Derek Brunson who's able to pull the trigger is a dangerous Derek Brunson. And if this is the way he's going to fight going forward and, you know, not running face first across the cage at his opponents. Uh, this is a serious threat in the middleweight division. So there's a lot of people who, who have to watch out for Derek Brunson. He's very explosive, incredible takedown defense. And uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups for him. He called out Luke Rockhold. Uh, but let, let's talk about this Leota Machida fight. So he counterstruck the counter striker and landed a nasty left hook that basically put him out cold and, um, you know, then pounced on him to finish the job. Uh, and Leoto was down for the count. Uh, so Leoto Machito looking a little bit slower than we're used to seeing him. I mean, two years is a long time when you're in your upper 30s uh, to be away from the cage. So what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff, since you saw it a little more recently than I did? 
Bill, um, I think Derek Brunson looked great, man. I think he was calculated. He was methodical. And overall, he wasn't nervous. He was not too tentative as he was against Anderson Silva. I think that he came in with the right game plan. I think that he he just looked great in there. He looked super calm, super comfortable. Um, and, you know, good for him. He beat a really tough guy. And I know we've been saying how Lyoto Machida is, you know, coming off a two-year layoff. He's, he's getting up there in age. But, you know, this dude still, he's a really good fighter, man. He's a dangerous guy. So the fact that Brunson was able to beat him, that's a really big asterisk on your resume there. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you can't take anything away from Derek Brunson. Uh, in this fight for the fact that Machida is coming in a little bit older. I mean, he's still, uh, you know, he's, he's coming in fresh, basically. He had two years to rest his body, and I'm sure he was training smart, as he always has. And um, I, I don't know if this is the end of the line for him or not. Uh, I would like to see him get back in there. I don't think we really got to see uh, a good enough idea of where he is in his career. Uh, you know, obviously he's pushing 40, so – but he also lives the kind of lifestyle where his body's preserved. You know, he drinks a lot of his own piss and, uh, you know, stuff like that that I'm sure has holistic benefits that I have no intention of finding out about. But he does them, and it seemed to work for him so far. So Derek Brunson calls out Luke Rockhold. There's a lot of other interesting matchups for him in this division, though. Maybe uh, a rematch with Jock Ray, uh, maybe a rematch with Yoel Romero. Uh, two guys that he has losses to, I believe. Um, I don't think he'll get a rematch with Robert Whitaker right now since he's holding the interim title. Uh, so, you know, that's part of the bottlenecking we got going on in the middleweight division right now. What would you like to see next for both of these guys, Jeff? Ooh, that, that's a tough one, man. Um, for Derek Brunson, I want to see him take on a more ranked contender. So 185. Um, hmm. Dude, that division is uh, a little bottlenecked right now. So I mm, – that's tough. You like the Luke Rockhold call-out? Uh, I, I think – I don't know if it's a good idea, Bill. Luke Rockhold is someone uh, that you have to take very seriously. You cannot – I don't think that was a good idea to call him out. I think he'd be better off fighting – I want to see him fight David Branch, actually. I'd like to see that. Okay. All right, yeah. Uh, I, David Branch looked pretty good in his last fight. Um, I, I like the Rockwell matchup for Brunson right now. Brunson's got a, a little bit of momentum uh, behind him right now. So, uh, and we saw Luke, you know, Luke Rockwell has lazy defense. You know, he fights with his hands down a lot, and David Branch was able to catch him in that last fight. So, if he fights like that against Derek Brunson, and Derek Brunson picks his shots like he did against Leona Machida, that's going to be a bad night for Luke Rockhold. Uh, and plus Derek Brunson is really hard to take down and even harder to hold down. So, uh, that might be a little bit past Luke Rockhold's wrestling capabilities, but at the same time, Luke Rockhold is still dangerous everywhere. I think it's an interesting matchup. I wouldn't mind seeing that one. Uh, and then maybe see Leota Machida and David Branch. That might be a fun fight. Um, especially the way David Branch has been pressuring in his fights lately. All right, let's get to the co-main event, which uh, I, I think a lot more people were talking about <laughs> uh, my whole Twitter feed this morning was Kobe Covington. And I thought this was a spectacular performance. And I thought his last fight was a spectacular performance as well. Uh, a lot of people didn't agree on both accounts. This was, <sighs> so Kobe Covington and Damian Maya was a battle of two below average strikers <laughs> slugging it out and having a bloody war. And, you know, they're not great strikers, but their striking is uh, almost on the same level. I, I think Colby Covington might be slightly better, but as far as being an elite striker, neither of them are anywhere <laughs> near that title or that ranking. But they're both elite-level grapplers. So like I was saying last week, when you have two elite grapplers going head-to-head, -head, sometimes you end up with a striking battle. and. By the time Damian Maya tried to take this fight to the ground, he didn't have much left in the gas tank. So good luck taking down an All-American wrestler like Kobe Covington, who was able to uh, basically just stomp out every single takedown attempt by Damian Maya. And that third round was just a bloodbath. 
and a, a one-sided beating. Definitely a 10-8 round uh, in my books for Colby Covington. Uh, but the real story of the fight was Colby Covington's post-fight interview in which he said, Brazil, you're a dump. Uh, <laughs> and then he said, I think you're a bunch of filthy animals. Uh, <laughs> so this was this. This is a story. I see. I'm judging by your face, Jeff. You didn't hear any of this. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. He, oh he had to be. He had to be escorted by security out, out of the arena, as pretty much everybody with something in their hands was throwing stuff at Colby Covington, and then he had to have armed security at his hotel last night. <laughs> And then he issued an apology statement that was going around Twitter today that said, basically, I'm sorry if I offended any of you filthy Brazilian animals, <laughs> uh, more or less. Um, so, yeah, Kobe Covington, uh, impressive performance. I mean, he landed more significant strikes on Damian Maya in three rounds than Tyron Woodley was able to land on him in five rounds. So that was a really interesting statistic, I thought. Um, and just an overall really impressive performance. I mean, he neutralized the grappling of Damian Maya with his elite-level wrestling, which uh, I've been an advocate for the longest time that wrestling is the best base to have in MMA because you get to dictate where the fight takes place. Uh, so for Kobe Covington, if he's fighting someone who has better striking than him, uh, which will be a lot of guys, he can take the fight to the ground with with pretty much anybody. Fighting someone with better grappling skills than him, he can keep the fight standing like he did with Damian Maya. So, Jeff, uh, let me get your reaction to Kobe Covington's uh, post-fight comments here. Yeah, Bill, that was not, I don't think that was a smart move at all. Um... I think he messed up, man. I think there's going to be some very strong repercussions for him. Um, although I got, I got to be honest, it was entertaining. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I'm so taken aback because I didn't expect that. Um, and like I said, this was, <laughs> I don't think anybody expected that. Dude, after round two, um, I fell asleep because uh, it was about 1230. I'd been out all day. I, I was pretty tired. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the fight itself was pretty, pretty good just cause they were at the same level of striking. Um, it just annoyed me that every now and then Maya would just shoot in for a takedown and, you know, Covington did a really good job of his, uh, takedown defense. And I, I think he's, uh, he's got a pretty solid takedown defense compared to other fighters in the UFC. And, you know, he just did a good job keeping it on the feet uh, and I think just about anybody would have probably done the same strategy against them in Maya. Uh, just, you know, keep the fight standing. Don't let him get you to the ground because we all know how dangerous he is. So pretty entertaining stuff. Um, and I know that uh, it's not good publicity, but they say that any publicity is good publicity, right? So he might have put his name yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's in such poor taste. It's so disrespectful. But at the same time, it's exactly what this division needs. Uh, the welterweight division, which has been really stale for the last year and a half or to two years since whenever it was that Tyron Woodley knocked out Robbie Lawler, there hasn't really been a feud. There hasn't been an interesting matchup. You know, the two snooze fests between Tyron Woodley and Wonder Boy, followed by, uh, you know, Tyron Woodley and Jamie Amaya, in which nothing happened. Uh, you know, this division is in desperate need of a little bit of personality. And while I can't condone any of the things that he said, uh, I think it's pretty necessary at this point. So he also called out Tyron Willie. He said he's going to break down his door to uh, take his belt. And uh, later on in, a, in another post-fight interview, he basically said that him and Tyron Woodley have fought in the gym before, and they were supposed to go five rounds, but after – uh, about two and a half rounds, Tyron Woodley said he didn't want anything else to do with it. Uh, <laughs> so, and Tyron Woodley didn't really deny that that happened, but he's also saying, like, there's no witnesses, so you can't really prove that it happened. 
Uh, I got to say, man, I'm intrigued. Kobe Covington is by no means deserving of a title shot. I think the title shot should go of the Jorge Masvidal Wonderboy fight or to the winner of the Robbie Lawler Javier Dos Anjos fight, uh, probably more so the latter. Um, but uh, Kobe Covington made a pretty strong case and he, pre- he cut a pretty decent promo. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people were talking about him. Like I said, my whole Twitter feed was Kobe Covington, how much everybody hates him this morning on Twitter. Uh, but he accomplished what he set out to do, and that's make people talk about him. Uh, and whether people realize it or not, uh, they're giving him what he wants by talking about what a dick he is and what a douchebag he is on social media. That's exactly the result he wanted. Uh, so mission accomplished for Kobe Covington. Uh, I, I don't know what's next for him, but I know I'm going to be watching and listening. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Jeff? Yeah, definitely, Bill. Uh, no matter what happens, uh, whatever consequences may come, I definitely want to see Covington in there again. I thought he fought smart. And like I said, man, he's got publicity. He's getting his name out there. So uh, I don't think it was the right way to go about it. But, I mean, um, you know, it's one of those uh, things like it, it, it's a good idea. Just, you know, just I think he went about it the wrong way. But it ended up working yeah. in his favor, I suppose. Well, for sure. I mean, he got people's attention and he got Tyron Woodley's attention because Tyron Woodley's been uh, responding to people's comments on Twitter and uh, he seems a little bit flustered. So I think, you know, it's a pretty fun situation. As much as I respect all the other fighters that are ahead of Colby Covington in line, uh, none of them are going to cause any drama to kind of build up a title fight, which is what this division really needs. And I think the uh, higher ups in the UFC will agree. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I really think that the title shot should go to the Robbie Lawler, Rafael Dos Santos winner, uh, especially because, you know, uh, Lawler, you know, he was the champ and he just beat Cowboy Cerrone in an awesome fight. So he deserves to get back in there and uh, get his revenge. But, you know, there's not going to be any shit talking between Lawler and Woodley. They're going to both quietly go into the match and the loser's going to go off into the sunset and the winner's going to go on to the next thing and that'll be it. There's not going to be and same thing if if it were Rafael Dos Anjos. He's not a trash talker either. So uh, I think the division needs a fire lit under it like this and uh, you know, Kobe Covington is not a wordsmith. He's not great with words uh, but he is great at getting attention so uh, good thing for the welterweight division. All right, uh, we have a lot to cover today, Jeff, so I want to kind of breeze over the rest of this card. Pedro Munoz with an awesome guillotine finish over Rob Font. One-handed guillotine from the mount, which is a super high-level move. I don't think a lot of people realize how high-level jiu-jitsu the submission was and how tight it was as soon as they flipped over Rob Font, who had never been finished before uh, tapping to Munoz. Uh, Super impressive really top-shelf Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, as a big fan of the guillotine, uh, I was especially impressed by this one. And uh, uh, credit to Pedro Munoz. Did, did you catch this one, Jeff? Yeah, I did, Bill. And, yeah, I was super impressed with that. The guillotine from the top is really hard to pull off, super uh, effective technique, and you could tell right away it was cinched up tight. Um, Rob Font was just frantically tapping. It was over as soon as he flipped them over. That was super sweet, dude. As a as a grappling guy myself, you know, both of us are big fans of grappling. That was that was Christmas for us, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was super smooth, and it was a good fight leading up to that too. Very back and forth. Uh, both of these guys are exciting. They're ranked twelfth uh, and thirteenth respectively, I believe. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing both of these guys back in there. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, edging out Jim Miller and something we haven't really seen. I don't know if we've seen ever. And that's Jim Miller with an empty gas tank going into the third round, told his corner, I have nothing left uh, in between the second and third round. He was able to hang on and survive, but definitely took a beating in that third round. Something we're not used to seeing from the Jersey boy, Jim Miller, uh, who's one of the toughest competitors in the history of this sport. So uh, maybe he just had a bad camp. Maybe it was traveling to Brazil or maybe he's reaching the end of that rope. Uh, 
you know, once that gas tank starts to go and, and that's basically been his bread and butter, he's just been able to out tough his opponents. And that's the way Jim Miller beats people. Um, but once that gas tank starts to go, you got to start to question where he is in his career. Uh, so there was that. And I'm just going to go over a couple of these, Jeff, and then you tell me uh, which fights you want to comment on. Tiago Santos looking, Tiago Santos, excuse me, looking like more and more of a monster every time he gets in there. And uh, this is one of the fights I told you to watch out for last week, Jeff. I thought it would be a slugfest. Jack Hermanson getting in there and sloppy with his takedown attempts. He had great footwork, but he didn't move his head too much off the center line. And when you do that against Tiago Santos, uh, you're going to sleep. And he went to sleep with uh, about a second before the bell rang in the first round. And uh, he wasn't saved by the bell. He was knocked out by the sledgehammer, Tiago Santos. John Lineker and Marlon Chito Vera having a really exciting bantamweight fight. Um, all right, so let's stop there. So uh, out of those three, Trinaldo and Miller, Santos, Hermanson, Lineker and Vera, uh, anything jumping out to you, Jeff, that you want to comment on? Yeah, all three of these were awesome fights, Bill. But uh, I think that if you're going to go back and watch one of them, for me, it was Tiago Santos versus Jack Hermanson. Uh, super crazy fight. Tiago Santos, is he's got hammers for hands, dude. And I, I think that the ref messed that one up. I think he should have stopped it a lot sooner. I think Hermanson took some unnecessary and brutal punishment. Yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, I can't speak for the ref there, but I think the thought may have been he knew there was only seconds left. You know, maybe he can hang on. Jack Hermanson's a tough guy, but yeah, I agree. Could have been stopped a little bit earlier. Tiago Santos just looking scarier every time he gets in there. Uh, so exciting things for him. Still one of the worst tattoos uh, in the history of the sport. That Thor hammer on his chest. I I don't approve, Jeff. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but <laughs> I, like it. I think it looks kind of cool. He's got Mjolnir on his chest. He's got hammers for hands. No. It makes sense, Bill. No, when he's older and like all his muscles are deflated, it's gonna look like a melting anchor on his chest. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I I can't condone this, and it's a little bit too phallic for my taste. It kind of like the the Brock Lesnar. Uh, dagger penis tattoo um so uh vicente luque coming in last minute to uh end the undefeated streak of nico price uh with a nasty brabo choke that's a painful ass choke jeff uh you and i both know how much that one hurts it's just like crushes your windpipe not like other chokes where it kind of slowly cuts off the circulation to your brain uh brabo choke is nasty uh, just crushing the windpipe and then uh another submission antonio carlos jr the man they call Shoe Face, uh, submitting Jack Marshman. And another really impressive submission was the first fight on the card, uh, Marcelo Gome with a nasty, nasty uh, rear naked choke on Christian Colombo after beating the fuck out of him. Uh, so any thoughts on any of those three submissions? Three Brazilians, I believe, and three impressive submissions there on the undercard. Any thoughts on any of those, Jeff? Yeah, I'm only gonna yeah, give you I'm thoughts, gonna on, give thoughts on the one that I saw. The one that I saw, and that was uh, the Vicente Luque fight. Uh, mm -hmm. This was nuts, dude. Nico Price goes in for kind of a sloppy takedown, and Luque just ties him up, flips him over, and it looked like a like a Darce choke a little bit, but um, super sweet tapped as soon as they hit the ground um and th those are the subs that i love to watch bill uh those ones that just as soon as as they sink them in it's over uh mm -hmm. so very nice um the other fights the other submissions i'm sure were awesome as well but that's just the one i was able to catch awesome yeah so overall great card awesome submissions uh, a lot of drama some great potential matchups coming out of it uh not much more you can ask for for a free fight night uh, so next week is not going to be free, especially not for you, Jeff, because you bought some expensive seats to this one, uh, UFC 217 in Madison Square Garden. Uh, before we get into that, I want to get a little more into my, uh, my booze trail here. So I was telling you the other day, uh, this was a stop I, I had to fit in, and uh, I, I stayed in uh, Cottonwood, Arizona, so on my trip 
flew into Phoenix and then started working my way north. And uh, Cottonwood is kind of halfway in between where I am now and Phoenix. So tried a lot of different things, a lot of awesome food. There's a lot of great uh, South American food here, a lot of great Mexican food, amazing tacos, some of the best tacos I've ever had in my life uh, here in Arizona. So hats off to Arizona for incredible tacos and uh, uh, great South American food, uh, Southwestern food. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of Mexican influences here, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So made my way out to Cottonwood, and this is in the Verde Valley territory. Beautiful scenic drive from Phoenix to Cottonwood and to, from Cottonwood to where I am now. Uh, beautiful landscape. So I had to stop in Old Town Cottonwood and I had to go to Merkin Vineyards because this is the vineyard that is owned by the lead singer of one of my favorite bands of all time, and that's Tool. Uh, Maynard James Keenan uh, is now a winemaker, or he has been a winemaker for a long time. Uh, and he has uh, a tasting room in Old Town Cottonwood, which is a really beautiful small town. Uh, you know, it's like a little little strip of a town. It's like a main street and, you know, a lot of restaurants, live music, stuff like that. So I heard Maynard on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you who listen to this podcast also listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. So if you heard the episode... Uh, with Maynard James Keenan, um, it was about a month and a half back, maybe two months back. So I heard him talk about his winery and tasting room that he has in Old Town Cottonwood, and I already had this trip planned. So I, I made it a point to stop at the tasting room, and I got to say, Jeff, it was the best food I've had on this whole trip, and the wine is incredible. I know you're not a fan of wine, Jeff, but uh, I have to advocate for this. Tarzan Red. It's uh, all of his red wines are are super dry, which I'm a fan of dry red wine. I don't like anything that's too fruity. I think a lot of uh, whiskey drinkers are very similar. Uh, you know, we don't really go for fruity wines. It's more on the dry side, bold kind of vanilla, leathery tobacco taste. I'm not a wine connoisseur by any means. I'll talk here off about whiskey all day, but. I do like a nice dry glass of red wine every now and then. So for those on YouTube, uh, I'm holding up the bottle here. Uh, the logo is kind of like a Ventruvian man. Ventruvian man with the uh, just a bushel of grapes over his junk. Um, awesome wine. Uh, and I, I'll tell you the truth, Jeff. I was going to look for any excuse to kind of like the wine because I'm such a big fan of Maynard and you know, lead singer of Tool, Perfect Circle, uh, Pucifer is his other band. I believe he's going on tour with Perfect Circle uh, pretty soon. And he also has a jiu-jitsu gym in Old Town Cottonwood. I wanted to try and get in there and take a class and get some roles in, but unfortunately the timing didn't work out. There wasn't a class going on or open mat or anything, so I didn't have the opportunity to do that. But I am glad I got the opportunity to go to his uh, winery tasting room and Osteria, it's called. And I had some incredible mac and cheese there with like a pancetta cream sauce. It was out of this world. Uh, prickly pear-infused pasta. And prickly pear is like, basically, I guess, some kind of some kind of cactus. Uh, it's in a lot of stuff out here, but uh, whatever it is, it was fucking delicious. I had, to, I had to get a bag of it to go, and I had to get a bottle of wine to go. Awesome time. Jeff, I know you're not a wine drinker, but would you be willing to give this a shot on my recommendation if I were to put some in front of you? Bill, you're the one who got me into, into this business. So, yes, I probably – I think I would try it. Although, <laughs> if I absolutely have to drink a wine, it's usually a white wine. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I just I like know. them a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> although – uh, there's this place in, in the city, um, in like the theater district. I forget the name of it. It's this Russian spot. And I had the, um, what's that meat they do? I forgot what it's called. Um, name escapes me, but I had a really good glass of red wine over there. Uh, so 
you know, every now and then, I think it's okay, Bill, but it's not it's not yeah. something you do more than like twice a year. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I like a, I like a, I like a glass of red wine on Christmas Eve and like another random Sunday. How about that? <laughs> That's fine. That's acceptable to me. But yeah, I like I like a dry red wine that kind of kicks you in the chest a little bit, mm. kind of like warms you up, and um, yeah. But I, I'm I'm back to my I'm back to my bourbon here, Jeff. No worries. I'm not I'm not changing teams on you. And I usually don't like <laughs> white wines. <laughs> I usually don't like white wines because they're a little too sweet for me, unless it's like a Chardonnay or something. But even then, it's it's like I only drink it if it's the only thing around. Um, and I can't do champagne. I've never had a taste for it. I don't know why. Uh, I know some people like it. And I've even had some, like, really expensive champagnes that people insisted I try. And I'm like, this is nowhere near as good as beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that people like it because it's classy. And it's, like, it just tastes like bubbly shit to me. Like, I can't, I can't get into it. And I can't champagne so um but big fan of the tarzan red from merkin vineyards and uh their other wines are good too uh the shinola was my second favorite so if you're looking for these uh, i do believe they uh they're pretty widely distributed so you can find them um and yeah check out that episode of joe rogan podcast i mean i know i don't have to endorse joe rogan's podcast it, it would be It'd be better for me if he endorsed mine, but uh, it, it was a really interesting episode. Uh, Maynard James Keenan is one of those mad genius kind of guys who's really interesting. MMA, really into jujitsu. I believe he's a purple belt. Um, and if I come back to Arizona, I want to try and and uh, check out his gym. It's a Verde Valley Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I, I did get to see it. I walked by. It looks like a pretty cool space. So if I'm back in the area. I'd like to get out there and uh, and and get some training in. Uh, all right, Jeff. I know you're itching to talk about this uh, UFC 217 that you'll be attending next week, and top to bottom is stacked. I know you're going to be in there as soon as the gates open up uh, from the first bell to the last. So you take the reins here, Jeff. Let me know what you want to talk about. What are your thoughts on this thing here? This is. This is your time to shine, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Um, Bill, for me, this is, this is a boyhood dream, man. Um, ever since I got into the UFC, I was like finishing college when I got into it. I was junior in college. And, you know, the one thing I always wanted to do was go to a pay-per-view event. And this is it, man. The Everything's aligned. It's it's close to me. It's, uh, it's going to be at a venue I'm used to being at. I've been there for wrestling shows and hockey games and stuff like that so this is it man but enough about that let's get into it so bill the main event is george's saint pierre <laughs> yeah george's name ends with an s <laughs> so george saint pierre is challenging michael bisping for the middleweight title but bill it's been almost four years exactly since uh gsp has been in the in the octagon his last fight was a questionable debatable win against johnny Hendricks. um so bill what do you think here i mean i'll be honest with you i don't see saint pierre winning this one um i think the ring rust is going to be too much i know he's been training like every day but you can't mimic five rounds in the octagon for a title you just can't mimic that in the gym but bill talk me out of it bill do you think that gsp can win this Oh man, oh, that's a tough one, Jeff. And you know, I I don't like to give predictions, uh, but I'm kind of with you on paper. There doesn't seem to be a way for GSP to win this fight. You're talking about moving up in weight, and GSP's bread and butter is his wrestling. He's one of the best wrestlers in the history of MMA, and that's wrestling for MMA. That's not being a wrestler before uh, getting into MMA. So he has no wrestling pedigree whatsoever, but somehow became the re but the best MMA wrestler of all time. I'll give you another stat, Jeff. George St. Pierre has not finished a fight in eight years. Uh, so I don't know what his plan is to get Michael Bisping out of there. I know GSP has been training uh, with the Danaher Death Squad quite a bit with your buddy Jake Shields 
Gary Tonin and those guys. So maybe he's sharpened up his submission skills, but you're talking about moving up in weight against a guy who used to fight at 205. Now, back in the day, George St. Pierre didn't want to move up to fight Anderson Silva for a super fight because he said he would need to take time and, and put on weight and do it the right way and everything like that. So on paper, Bisping, who used to fight at 205, is a much bigger fighter, has incredible takedown defense, and is an elite striker, one of the best kickboxers in the history of the sport, doesn't get a lot of credit, and mostly because he's an asshole. Uh, and, and people love him or hate him. There's not too many people uh, in the middle. I, I kind of am in the middle on Michael Bisping. Uh, I can't say I've ever really rooted for him. Never really rooted against him too much. I think uh, the first Dan Henderson knockout was one of the most spectacular uh, highlight reels of all time that he was on the wrong end of. Um, on paper, there's no way for George St. Pierre to win. On the other hand, I have to play devil's advocate with everything. One of the smartest fighters in the history of the sport, and he has always been very methodical about everything he's done. There's a reason he chose to come back now, and there's a reason he chose to come back against Michael Bisping. I think he sees something in Michael Bisping, some kind of weakness uh, that he can capitalize on, and uh, that's the only kind of shimmering light I can see for George St. Pierre here. Otherwise, I think it's going to be uh, a very grim comeback for him. I know he has put on some size, but you know Bisping's a big dude, and he's got some awesome takedown defense, and... Uh, man, and, and he's riding pretty high right now. Uh, he's he's a middleweight champion. He hasn't had to fight a contender <laughs> in a while. Um, so, I, I'm more interested in the aftermath of this fight. If George St. Pierre wins, is he going to stay at middleweight? Is he going to defend the title against the monsters in that division? I mean, Robert Whitaker is next in line. And then beyond that, you got Yoel Romero. I, I can't see... GSP getting in there with guys like that. Uh, so is he going to stay there? If Bisping wins, is he going to retire? So this might be the end of the line for the middleweight championship. It might be forfeited no matter who wins this fight. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the fight itself, Jeff, and the aftermath as well? Yeah, Bill. Um, I'm going yeah, um, gonna, I'm gonna to give, give you the, the other side of the equation. Mm -hmm. um, so I agree with you. I think that Zane Pierre is in for a tough battle, man. Bisping, not only is he, you know, a very good striker, he's got the good takedown defense. And, uh, dude, he just got a huge frame, man. Um, is George going to be able to get inside of him? And if he does is it, and goes for a takedown, is there going to be a knee waiting for him? Something like that. But George, on the other side of that, is George St. Pierre is one of the best in the world at – the sport that is mixed martial arts. And what I mean by that is he can mix it up really well, man. Um, he mixes his his takedowns and his strikes so well. He fakes takedowns off of faked strikes and he and he, you know, he does his Superman punches and all that off of um fainting going for a takedown. So you never know with St. Pierre. Um, but I don't think it's a it's a good idea to to try and get Bisping on the ground because um, Bisping's son is actually a really, really good uh, jujitsu competitor. I think he's won a couple of championships over on the West Coast. And, you know, I don't see why Bisping himself wouldn't jump in and train with him and uh, train at the gym, uh, at the jujitsu gym. So a lot going on here. And I'm actually in the same uh, boat as you in terms of the aftermath of all this, because Bisping has been talking about maybe retiring after this fight, whether he wins or loses, um, which at the end of the day, it won't matter. He'll have his legacy. He'll go down as a UFC champion. He'll go down as a guy who's beaten Anderson Silva. And if he wins, he can just retire anyway, because he'll be the only man who's ever beaten two greats in Silva and St. Pierre in the same lifetime. Um, you know, that's like beating Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Uh, yeah, and throw Dan Henderson in there. Uh, that's another legend feather in his cap. Definitely. Um, most wins in UFC history, by the way, Jeff. Michael Bisping, winning his fighter in UFC history. Well, I think a lot of people don't really talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the guy should have a legacy for sure, but, you know, 
is dickhead. Uh, <laughs> um, so th that kind of tarnishes it for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people underestimate him for that reason. Uh, so again, on paper, I don't see a reason George St. Pierre should win this fight, but you know, there is that, there is that what if, you know, there's that, there is that magnetism about it. I, I don't want to care about George St. Pierre coming back because he's teased it for so long. And, and, you know, he's been the biggest cock tease in the history of the sport with this comeback. And I, I wrote him off a while ago, but I am intrigued, Jeff. There is that what if, because I don't see a way for him to win this fight, but he must see something in Michael Bisping. Um, talking about this uh, for a long time, but we, we were uh, pretty far in as it is, and there's a lot more to talk about on this card. Any closing thoughts on the Bisping-St. Pierre situation here? Yeah, just this last thing is I think that at the end of the day, we're going to need I, – I think that uh, – what's his name? Uh, Robert Whitaker is probably going to end up becoming the middleweight champion. Um, I, I don't see St. Pierre staying in the game again. Um, if he wins a, another belt in another division, I think he'll have proved everything he needed to prove. Um, so uh, the middleweight division is going to be a little weird after next Saturday. So uh, let's move on and talk about the – this is the fight that I'm excited for, Bill. It's the one I've been waiting for. Um, Cody Garbrandt coming back after a really bad back injury against former teammate, friend, and current rival slash enemy, TJ Dillashaw. So, Bill, mm -hmm. what do you think about this fight, man? Because I'm super excited. The The bad blood has been – it's getting to a boiling point. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it, it is going to be awesome. I think when it gets a little closer to fight night, I'll be more excited just because – we had the letdown of this fight not coming together, you, you know, after they went through the whole Ultimate Fighter season, the season 25, where they were literally at each other's throats. Um, but yeah, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw, if you think about it, uh, these are two of the best bantamweights of all time. And there's bad blood there. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, it, it could end up being just a glorified sparring session where these guys are just going to respect each other a little bit too much because. They both know what the other is capable of, and then it could be an all-out war. Um, Cody Garbrandt, as we know, is pretty good at leaving his emotions out of the ring. Um, you know, I, I thought he was going to be too emotional in the fight with Dominic Cruz because in the buildup, he was getting, you know, really amped up, and usually that's a sign that a guy is not ready for the fight. But uh, Cody Garbrandt looks spectacular against Dominic Cruz, uh, so. You know, getting too hyped before the fight is no indication of a bad performance for Cody Garbrandt. I think that's safe to say. And TJ Dillashaw is just a workhorse, man. You know, he's got some of the most creative wrestling in the history of the sport. He, he's a phenomenal uh, MMA wrestler. I think if you've never really grappled before, you can't really appreciate the subtleties in his wrestling game. But it's so high level uh, that that even like all American wrestlers are in awe of what he's able to do. Uh, his takedowns in his last fight against John Lineker were otherworldly. Uh, the way he was setting them up uh, was even hard for me to figure out what he was doing, where these takedowns were coming from. Uh, night and day from Damian Maya's uh, takedown attempts last night against Kobe Covington. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be an awesome fight, but I, I do have a little bit of the wind taken out of my sails on this one just because you know, we had that let down the last time. Uh, any other thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I'm super excited. I think that um, <clears throat> I think that both of them have the capability to finish each other, but I don't think we're going to see a finish just because they know each other so well. They're going to try. They'll probably try and be a little bit more methodical about it. So, super excited for this one. Can't wait. And Bill, there's a third title fight on this card that we got to talk about, mm -hmm. and that is strawweight champion Joanna and Jacek taking on Rose Namajunas, who has fought for a title before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so at the end of her season, The Ultimate Fighter, it was the beginning of the strawweight division, and she fought Carla Sparza for that strawweight title and uh, didn't come away with the win, but she has improved leaps and bounds since then. Uh, 
But it's been the Ioana Jacek show ever since then when she demolished Carla Esparza and then pretty much everyone else that's been put in front of her, with the exception of maybe Karolina Kovokovich. That was a really, really close fight. Um, I want to say that Rose is not ready for this title fight, but um, you never really know, you know what's going on with the fighter. Supposedly, uh, in her last couple of losses, she had some personal things going on, and you know she seems to be in a good headspace for this. The other side of the coin is that Joanna may underestimate her. Uh, she seems a little bit in her interviews uh, as opposed to you know, being the killer she's been uh, leading up to past fights. So if she takes Rose Namajunas lightly, and she's even said she wants to grapple with Rose Namajunas, I don't think that would be a good decision. She may just be talking to, to build a fight. But uh, I, I want to say that Rose isn't ready for this fight. But, you know, I kind of thought the same thing with Cody Garbrandt when he fought Dominic Cruz. I thought he wasn't ready. I didn't think Holly Holm was ready to fight Ronda Rousey. Um, you know, Rose Namajunas only nine professional fights. Um, granted, Yoni Andrzejczyk only has a handful more. Uh, I, I'm excited for this one. This is going to be a really interesting fight. I think if Rose is able to pressure Joanna, possibly get this fight to the ground, uh, we could see a new champion. So, uh, Jeff, let me ask you this. I want to ask you your thoughts on that fight. What's the over-under on... One belt changing hands next Saturday night. Do you think more than one belt changes hands or no belts change hands? I know I'm putting you on the spot. So maybe maybe mm. give me your thoughts on the Rose Luana fight. Um, and, and then maybe let that simmer a little bit. How many belts do you think are going to change hands, if any? Uh, hmm. I'm going to be honest with you, Bill. I, I say zero belts change hands on Saturday. Hmm. I, I think it's going to be, I don't think, I think it's going to be a clean sweep for the champs. But um, I agree with you, man. I don't think Rose is ready for this fight yet. Um, she's so young and, you know, she's been looking better and better every fight. But I don't know, man. I just, I, think it's a different type of pressure it's a different type of fight it's not a three-round fight bill this is five rounds um she's gone the distance once i believe mm -hmm. oh, dude that was a while ago man uh so i don't see her pulling it out i think yoana's stand-up is just way too much for anybody in that division maybe uh except for karolina kovokovic but for everybody else i think she's miles and miles ahead all right i'm gonna go the other way on it jeff and I think we should make this interesting. Let's say uh, uh, a shot of whiskey for the winner next time we see each other. I'm going to say one belt changes hands next week. So, okay. So uh, next time I see you, we'll 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 uh, we'll do a a nice bourbon uh, and a loser pace. Uh, so <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's have a gentleman's agreement. We can't shake hands through the internet here, but uh, let let's see that. Uh, the, the fight that really intrigues me, too, on this card, Steven Wonderboy Thompson and Jorge Masvidal. Uh, this is an interesting fight. Um, Masvidal, probably some of the best boxing in the sport right now. Uh, Wonderboy, some of the best whatever it is Wonderboy does in the sport right now. Uh, this is a fucking fight, Jeff. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Bill, this is going to be super, super interesting. Um, I, I can see the winner of this one being the next contender, like you said before. And yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know who, who to give this one to. Masvidal's been on a bit of a roll, and Wonderboy coming off of two losses, man. Uh, two very, 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 very uninteresting losses. So we'll see which way it goes. Well, he's coming off a... He's coming off a draw and a loss. Don't forget, Jeff. Right, right, right. My mistake. A draw and a loss. Um, very uninteresting loss. Uh, the draw was definitely more exciting. But, yeah, dude, this is going to be super exciting. I want to see if Masvidal can can handle the reach and the long style fight that uh, Wonderboy is going to give him because Wonderboy is so good at getting in and out of bad spots. He, he'll land maybe one or two punches in the pocket, 
and then be out before you can respond. So that'll be really interesting to see how Masvidal deals with that. Yeah, and Masvidal is great at avoiding people's strengths, uh, and and he's great at doing it without running away from them. Uh, I mean, he was able to neutralize Damian Maya's jiu-jitsu. Damian Maya even had his back and wasn't able to finish him. Um, Masvidal is just a real crafty fighter, so <clears throat> he must have a game plan in mind to deal with uh, Stephen Thompson. I can't see the winner of this fight getting a title shot unless it's Jorge Masvidal. Uh, I don't think the UFC will put Wonder Boy back in there with Tyron Woodley. I don't think Wonder Boy will see another title shot until somebody else is the champion. So Tyron Woodley retiring or somebody beating Tyron Woodley uh, will be the next time Wonder Boy sees a title shot, in my opinion. Uh, Masvidal, I could see getting in there if he wins. Uh, what's interesting is Masvidal and Kobe Covington uh, are boys. They're training partners. So, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. should be interesting. Uh, something that's not too interesting to me is um, the fight right before this on the main card for some reason. Uh, and there's so many better fights that could be on the main card. Jeff, if you're looking to get a fighter's autograph, all you'll have to do is hang around Shake Shack in Times Square, and you might run into Johnny Hendricks uh, before, he can, <laughs> before he cuts weight. So Johnny Hendricks and uh, <laughs> Paulo uh, Henrique Costa – uh, going at it. I believe this is part of the main card. I, I don't know why. I, I hope I'm just looking at it in the wrong order here, uh, but I don't care about this fight. Uh, I'll go over a couple other things here. James Vick, Joe's, uh, Joe Duffy, interesting fight. Walt Harris and Mark Godbeer was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago, but Walt Harris stepped up to fight Fabricio Verdum. That's an interesting fight. Iwan uh, Kutelaba fighting against uh, Mikhail somebody. I don't even want to try and butcher his name. Mickey Gall, Randy Brown, this is going to be an awesome fight. A lot of people may not know who Randy Brown is. Uh, this is the battle for uh, who's the best fighter to come out of Dana White looking for a fight uh, since Mickey Gall has already beaten Sage Northcutt. Both of these guys uh, were products of that show. Uh, Alexi Olnick hiding on the undercard. This guy is one of my favorite fighters right now. I mean, a guy who, I don't know how many times I brought this up, Jeff, but Ezekiel Choke, while being mounted, this guy is a bad motherfucker. To have somebody mount you and you still choke them out is insane. Coming off his win against Travis Brown, which was an awesome fight, uh, he's on the undercard against Curtis Blades, who uh, has also looked impressive lately. I think this is an awesome heavyweight fight, and uh, I'm glad you're going to be there in person and give me the play-by-play in case I can't uh, catch this one. And then Corey Anderson over in St. Prue hiding it, buried at the bottom of this card, too. That's a pretty interesting fight. Um, uh, and that's all I got to say. Out of all those, Jeff, which are you most excited about? And uh, which ones are you going to get up to uh, refill your beer and uh, get another popcorn while you're at the garden this coming Saturday? Oh, man, Bill, this is a really tough call because all four of those fights look phenomenal. Um, but if I had to pick just one, I'm going to say Randy Rudeboy Brown versus Mickey Gall. Uh, Mickey Ball, yeah, Mickey Gall fighting out of New Jersey, and Randy Rudeboy Brown fights in New York City. Um, one of my uh, um, grappling coaches has actually worked with Brown, so um, got personal a little bit of a personal tie. I got to actually talk to Rudeboy Brown for a second um, when he won his fight in Newark. Uh, mm -hmm. That was Anthony Rumble Johnson versus. Um, What's his name? Uh, Ryan Bader. Uh, that was a fight. That's right. Yeah, so I got to actually meet Rude Boy Brown. Uh, super nice guy. So definitely want to see that fight. And then from there, definitely St. Prue versus Anderson. I don't know why that's an early prelim bill. Um, that's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. But I'm going to be there for all of them. Uh, I want to make it a day affair. I'm looking at like 10 hours here. So the fight that I'm going to get up to go refill my Brooklyn Brewery uh, cup is going to be Johnny Hendricks. I, yeah. I think I'll go for a food run. Yeah, good choice. Uh, go grab a couple beers, take your bathroom break, yep. uh, you know, plan it out around that time. Yeah, you and I were both at that card, uh, Jeff, the Ryan Bader Rumble Johnson card, but we were on opposite ends of the arena, and I don't think we even knew each other too well at that point. Um, I think we we had barely even choked each other by then. 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> take that, take that however you will, folks. Um, so, Jeff, I have a lot more alcohol to talk about, but uh, I don't want to blow it all on this episode. I, I have so many more interesting things that I've been drinking here in Arizona, but I want to kind of spread it out a little bit. Uh, have you been sipping on anything interesting, or have you been taking it easy on the booze, uh, pr- preparing your liver for the UFC 217 in Madison Square Garden? Yeah, dude. Um, you know, this UFC thing, I want to go all out for it. So I've been, I've been repressing the cravings. And then Saturday, I don't know how much I'm going to remember, Bill, but I'm going to be taking tons of pictures. So Awesome. Well, I, I'm sure you'll be texting me. And uh, I'll be sending you some texts while I'm watching it from wherever I am. And I am going to be in Arizona for the next couple of days. So if anybody has any more recommendations, I did find a really awesome Arizona whiskey. I'm going to leave this as a cliffhanger uh, because, you know, we've talked about so much. But uh, there is a really awesome uh, whiskey company out of Tucson, Arizona that I discovered while I was here. And I'm really excited to talk about it, but, you know, I don't want to get into too much on one episode. We've talked about so much already. It's already been so over the top and under the influence, as always. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, if you want to hear him live tweet from Madison Square Garden next week at UFC 217, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys all know how to get a hold of me by now. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram anywhere else please send us your drink recommendations your thoughts on the fights your thoughts on the podcast your thoughts on life really we're you know we're willing to talk to anybody about anything so reach out to us on your favorite social media platforms until next time cheers everybody goodbye